Well, there was a theme at the recent pastor's convention in our fellowship, and it was just kind of quickened to me to share and, you know, just to, you know, look at some thoughts from it. And it was the theme of enduring in patience, enduring in patience. And I kind of wanted to look at that thought with you this morning and how it's really, it's a key for the church corporately. It's a key for the last days, but yet it's a key for us, for believers, you know, for, you know, we've even heard in the, in a prophetic, right, of storms and how, you know, there's things we're going to be facing in the last days, but, you know, how do we face those things is yes, we trust in God, but there's that need to endure patiently, sometimes for a long time. Sometimes that storm just seems to hover and you're like, when is this going to move on? But, you know, when we're able to do that, something significant, something powerful, something eternal is accomplished in each of those realms. Of course, the one we're considered, concerned about most is our lives. Right? And so I wanted to look at, at this through considering one of the, the precious churches of Revelation um, you know, I, I always like to look at the church of Philadelphia. I just think, you know, what God spoke to them and what God did in them is just that is what we need in our lives, in our churches. And so, you know, as we know, the Holy Spirit wrote letters to seven churches in Asia Minor, in Turkey. And, you know, that some of them received correction. In fact, most of them received aspects of correction where God had to kind of deal with them, some pretty severely, um, you know, some were in a bad situation. But there were a couple of them that didn't. There's actually two that, that you get the sense they were just walking with the Lord, holding steady to what God had told them to do. One of those was the Church of Philadelphia. And, you know, it's, it's important to, to read and understand. I think this key is really a church. Uh, this church is really a key you know, in, in our lives and, and so forth, because we're going to enter into what they experienced, or at least hopefully we will, so that we can enter into what the promise they were given from the Lord, you know, because God gave them a promise that's significant to our day. And so we'll read that together. In fact, let's read this, the letter that was written to them. It's quite short, but it's in Revelation 3 and verse 7. It says the angel of the church to the angel, right? So here's God communicating with the angel, and that kind of tells us something too. There's angels over churches and directing us, and we want to we want to be mindful of that and respectful of the angel over the churches, right? They have power in that sense. And so to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These things says he that is holy, he that is true, the that has the key of David, he that opens and no man shuts and shuts and no man opens. I know thy works. Behold, I've set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For you, for thou hast a little strength and has kept my word. You have not denied my name. Behold, I'll make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they're Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I'll make them to come and worship it before your feet and, I'll, and know that I have loved thee. Because you have kept the word of my patience, I'll keep you from the hour of temptation that's going to come upon all the world. Wow. I still kind of marvel when I read that. Here's a little group and the promise is I'm going to keep you. 
I'm going to preserve you when all the world is being tested and tried. Why is that? Because, you know, and then he, because they kept the word of his patience. And he continues, Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no man take your crown. To him that overcomes, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God. That sounds familiar because we were just singing that little chorus earlier. To him that overcomes, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God. And it says, I'll write my name upon him. In the name of, this, of my God, the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, comes out of heaven. I'll write upon him my new name. He that has ears to hear, let him hear what he's saying to these churches. And so I, I love what it says about this church. They, they were a little group. They had little strength. And it's, it's thought that you know, when, when a group of people has little strength, it's, you know, they're kind of small in number. Not that they were a bunch of weaklings right, that didn't have strength to lift anything heavy, but that they were just a little group of believers, small band. And I, we can identify with that. You know, just it. And, you know, they were just trying to walk in what God was speaking to them and what he had said to them, you know, and it just kind of seems as if in the church as a whole, you know, what is increasing uh, does not line up with what God is trying to do in his church. Right? I mean, in relation to his holy bride, in, in the work of glory and holiness, Right, a group that's tried and tested, holy and set apart, a vessel of honor. You know, that group that just is hungering and thirsting after righteousness. That's not necessarily increasing all around us, is it? Right? Rather, that seems like there's a decrease in that focus. That's the sense I get. But here's this little group that in the midst of wickedness, great pressure, trial, difficulty, they're just standing strong. So they're, it almost seems like they're standing alone especially when you're reading the other letters that not a lot of churches are following in their footsteps. They're standing strong. They're holding steady to what God has spoken to them. They did it for a long time. And that gives me hope, right? Because that's kind of where we're at. And, and it's like, well, Lord, what, what's left for us to do? What can we do to, to bring a change? Stand strong. Stay steady. Stand in obedience to what God is saying and what he's leading us to do in our lives and in our church. And trust in those words that he's speaking, because when it's time for him to move, he says, behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. I, I think this can apply to our church here in Clearwater. It can apply to our fellowship, you know, and the works of you know the mission works and Bible schools around the world. But we have to key in on that that phrase and that really that the whole foundation of, of the promise being fulfilled for this church was in Revelation 3:10. Because you have kept the word of my patience, I will keep you in that hour of temptation. And what what kind of hour is it? It's the hour that comes upon everyone. Right? And it's almost like they had their hour of temptation alone with God. They had a temptation they faced as a church and probably as individuals, as families, and they kept the word of his patience and were obedient in that. And it's like that, it's like that check mark of temptation 
was fulfilled in their lives. So when temptation came upon the whole earth, well, that had been fulfilled. So God says, don't worry, I'm going to take care of you. You're going to be preserved. Everyone else, they didn't go through it yet, so that's where they are, but you're preserved. And so that's kind of a wonderful thing to, to consider, especially in the days coming, because we, we sense the earth is going to be tried and not too long. And, you know, we kind of sense the st initial stages of that wars and rumors of wars and all sorts of things going on. Lord, let us understand, right? We've been talking about seasons, times and seasons. Lord, help, help us to understand the season of testing and trial you're bringing me into that will allow me to qualify to be preserved in the days to come. You know, the man of sin is arising. Um, you know, something else that was brought out at the convention, you know, the spirit of Antichrist is arising. You know, it's not that we see the man of sin, right? We can't, at least from Scripture, I don't see anyone who's like fulfilling the, the you know, who is the Antichrist. I, I'll be clear about that. But yet we sense the spirit of Antichrist is definitely moving. It, it is a, you know, it is anti-Christ in the world. And so, of course, what are we crying out for most is a revival. A revival of the ways of Christ, that Christ's ways will be magnified and lifted up. It's a revival that Christ says is going to touch the whole world. It'll be like a voice shouting throughout the whole earth, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare your hearts for the Lord's coming. You know, it, I hope revival comes tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I hope it starts. Uh, but if it if it's doesn't, what do we do? We stand in the word of his promise. I mean, I remember coming down here 18 years ago. This September, it would be 18 years. It's 17 years for the church, 18 years since we came to, to Florida. And we were thinking, well... God's moving us. He's positioning us into Florida because revival's going to start soon. So I'm not going to set my heart on any dates or time frame, you know, with the Lord. My hope and prayer is that it starts soon. If it starts tomorrow, hallelujah. But till then, and even in revival, that doesn't change our position. We stand. We have to continue in his word patiently. And in so doing, it just seems as if we're not moving and nothing's happening too much. But, you know, that's okay. That's actually scriptural. Because at the end of the day, there's only one thing that God's asking of us. And we see that from what Paul says, Ephesians 6, 13. Take the whole armor of God that you can run. No, that's not what scripture says. Take the whole armor of God that you can withstand the evil day and having done all, just stand in that place. That's what really matters is being able to stand in that, holding strong, not being moved out of that position. Or, you know, we're human. So, you know, I like what, what it says in Psalm 62 and verse 2. It says, you know, he is my rock and my salvation. He's my defense. I won't be greatly moved. I won't be greatly moved. 
right? So sometimes we can be shaken. Uh, you know, there can be a shaking, there can be a storm, and we kind of, you know, step out of place or something like that. But, you know, we get right back in position. Yeah, we're we're going to be shaken. Right? Things are going to happen that will affect our balance. But yet God was going to give us grace if we will come to Him and cling to the mercy seat. We'll find grace to stand. But considering this thought of standing or continuing, you know, in God's word patiently, there, there are some aspects to, of having to stand with God or for God. And one of the main requirements for standing is we have to stand in obedience. Right? Because there is, some, there is a directive uh, from God, and in order to stand in it, we have to obey it. Right? It's not symbolic. You know, if it's only symbolic, that's what the Pharisees were doing. It was all symbolic for them. They majored on the symbolism. Every little thing had to be right for them, because if as long as the symbolism was okay, it didn't matter what was going on in their hearts. But for God, it's the opposite. Yeah, He cares about how how it looks. You know, we're not to appear ungodly. You know, but yet at the end of the day, what really matters is that we're standing in obedience to what He's saying. You know, we see that in the negative with one of those, you know, the two contrasts of Saul and David, right? Saul is he's the picture of someone who didn't stand. He he, he liked appearing like he was, but in, the, in reality, he didn't, right? And we know that there's the two stories. The first one, when he was a young king facing the Philistines, it was, you know, a major, major battle. And the people were afraid. And it says that they just were starting to melt away, you know, out of fear. And Samuel had appointed a day to come to have the sacrifice to God and to and entreat God to fight for them. Samuel was, you know, getting later and later and later, and he wasn't there and he wasn't there. And so he couldn't wait any longer. He stepped out of his place into another position that God hadn't ordained. And he said, and he said well, I forced myself to offer those sacrifices to God, something only a priest could do. You know, so he de demonstrated that lack of, of reverence for God's holiness and his ways, a lack of trust in his word. And as soon as he did that, who comes walking along? Samuel. You know, what have you done? 1 Samuel 13, 13. You know, I don't major on a lot of the you know, verse numbers in scripture because that was added later on, but 13, 13, hmm? I don't know. Double rebellion? And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord. You haven't stood in that place of obedience, which he commanded you. And if you had, he would have established you forever. But now, verse 14, now your kingdom shall not continue because he didn't stand. The Lord has sought a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be captain over his people because you have not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. And so Saul didn't stand 
in the, in the commandment of what God was speaking to him. In that situation, you know, and as a leader especially, he didn't stand fast in that. You know, and because of that, his kingdom couldn't continue. That was the first time. Then the second time, you know, just summarizing that, we, it's only two chapters later, he's tested again, and this time it's the Amalekites, and he was supposed to destroy them all, and he didn't pass that either. You know, he let the best of the sheep, you know, live, and he didn't even try to hide them, because Samuel comes and says, what's this bleeding of the animals I hear in my ear? Oh, the people did that. Aren't you king over the people? They made me. You know, he didn't stand. You know, and as we're looking around the world uh, and the nation, you know, even in our, our fellowship and our, the fellowship of churches, it, in, in our lives, it just seems as if God is divinely ordaining tests. You know, where people just continuing on for years, it's like now God's testing in that, that we've, we've stood in it for years, but now the test is coming, right? That's gonna, it's, it'll either exempt us or disqualify us from, from being preserved in the day of testing that will come upon all the earth. You know, we might've gone on for a while, just kind of continuing on, but now the Lord is saying, but now I want to come. I want, I want all my people to pass my test and to be able to stand so there comes a day for each of us that we're going to be tested, put through the time of pressure, you know, the pressure cooker, you could say. But it's to bring us to that ultimate position where we're able to stand. We make that choice. Lord, I'm going to stand for you. I'm going to stand in your promises. You know, and God's promise is that, it, that he will keep us if we stand in obedience. And, you know, sometimes that, that obedience is just in very basic things. Oh, the Lord, you've, you've spoken that promise to me and I just have to stand believing. Or, Lord, you spoke that specific thing to me and I'm going to stand in that. Or sometimes it's just standing in obedience to just coming to him every day and feeding upon him. You know, just those, those basic things of faith, like reading his word, letting it continually wash us and cleanse us from the, the evil thoughts that the enemy just wants to put within us day after day. And so the only thing we can do to nullify those things is continuing to come to his word and being washed. You know, the priests, it, it, it's interesting, they had to wash every single time they wanted to go on into the holy place. Yesterday wasn't good enough. Even though they were holy, they had to come to the labor and wash. And as priests, it's just like we have to come to the word. It doesn't matter how well we know it how well we've preached it, how well we've taught it, how well you know we've memorized it, we come to it so that it washes us. You know, or prayer, spending time in prayer. Uh, you know, there's that old saying, seven days without prayer makes one week. Not just W-E-E-K, W-E-A-K, right? That if if we're not maintaining that time of prayer, and you know, the more we go on, the more I sense how vital that is. That if, if we have not established a prayer life, you know, not just prayer time, but a prayer life of communion, that the life is not going to flow to the level that we need it to stand. And if we don't have life flowing, we're not going to have strength to stand.
And so we have to make sure those basic aspects, you know, of coming into his presence, spending time, sitting before him, learning to hear his voice as, as the sheep with the shepherd. You know, and that, of course, all of that sounds so basic, but we must be able to stand in the basics to go on into, into places of strength so that we can stand in those greater trials. And so we want that to be the cry of our heart. Lord, enable me, strengthen me to stand. Show me how to stand. Show me if there's anything I'm not standing in in my life that creates a place of instability. The next thought you can kind of consider here, you know, they're standing in the basics, but then they're standing in the pressure. And something we noticed that the Lord spoke to Philadelphia is in verse 12. He said, him, to him that overcomes, I'll make a pillar in my temple. I'll make a pillar. There's only one thing a pillar was meant, was, is designed for. It's designed to hold up great weight and withstand great pressure. You, you will never see a pillar made out of straw because it has zero strength in crush. I don't know the right crushability, but that is totally not the engineering term. You know, whatever to withstand the pressure, but stone can, you know, wood can. It, it has that ability to withstand great pressure in that aspect. And so God, he says, I'm, I'm going to make you a pillar in my temple because you have become a pillar to withstand great pressure. You know, you withstood it for a long time and it was, you was forming you as a pillar. And so, you know, the builder in a, you know, of a great building invests a lot of time in pillars to up because he doesn't want that work to crumble. And so they have to withhold pressure, shaking and so forth. You know, it actually Philadelphia and these churches, and I was just reading about Turkey and it's very seismically active. In fact, there's, I think there's like three or four tectonic plates, you know, and faults that go through this one nation. Uh, and so it's very active in that. I think the, the last time they had a big one was in 1999. It was like 7.6 and it was very devastating for the country. But so they would have understood what it meant to, you know, the shakings and the quakings and having to stand in that. But God wants us to prepare us to be able to stand, to endure great pressures, uh, great shakings, because he wants to, to, for us to, to be formed into that so then we can uphold something, a work of beauty. Or maybe he can work, use our lives to produce something beautiful because we've been formed into a pillar. I know I've brought out before about a piano you know, you look at a piano and think, oh, that's, that's a neat instrument. But, you know, when all the strings are tightened, it's estimated that there's 11 tons of pressure that that piano is holding together, right? You know, I mean, you think of like a guitar. I mean, their strings are tightened and stuff, but it's, there's pressure there. But a piano is 11 tons of total pressure that's being held by that box of wood or how, you know, whatever it's made out of. And so God will take us through times of pressure and he'll keep tightening the strings. And Lord, yikes, that's not comfortable. But each time he's tightening, he's tuning us to produce something beautiful. 
And so we want to allow him to do that and, you know, become attached firmly. Of course, we could also refer to the parable of the builder, right? Luke 6, 48, like the man who dug deep upon the rock and, you know, the, the blessings come, you know, when we, when we dig deep, but there's also something else that comes, right? We lay our foundation on the rock, but it says the floods arose and the stream beat vehemently. You know, the, being founded upon the rock does not exempt us from the storm. It just enables us to endure. So the storm definitely comes. It's almost a guarantee. At some point, it comes. The pressure comes. The, you know, all of those things come. It's just the question is, will? Will or you know, when will they come? And so we have to stand against the pressure. Then one last aspect is sometimes we have to stand for a long time. All right, there's that patience, that endurance. Second Thessalonians 3, 5. It says, the Lord direct your hearts in the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. You know, Paul's prayer that was that the Lord would direct their hearts, the hearts of his church, into the patient waiting, which is hupomone, cheerful endurance. You know, kind of leads us into that thought of victory because when someone's cheerful and, you know, rejoicing, in their trials, you know God's doing a victorious work. You know, that that's what God wants us to do. And that's kind of the work that, that we can see in this church. You know, they were founded in those basic principles of the Christian faith. They stood in them. They walked in them. They stood in the pressure. And they stood for a long time. And because of that, they became a pillar in the temple of God. And they entered into the wonderful promises of God. You know, that, that they, God would be with them, cover them, preserve them in that hour that would, of trial that would come upon all the earth. Something we desperately want to enter into for ourselves. Lord, help me to pass my trial now that when it comes upon all the earth, the Lord will look down at me and say, well, you passed already. I'm just going to preserve you from that. Amen. And so let's cry out, Lord, direct my heart into patient waiting for you and standing in your word, in your promises, and in what you are directing me to do so that I can be preserved. So we can stand in obedience and pressure for as long as it takes so that we will become a pillar in the temple of our God. And Lord, we thank you. Thank you that, Lord, you are our example, Lord Jesus, Lord, how you stood and you walked and having done all, you stood and in, in what you, the Father asked you to do, Lord, in that work upon the cross. Oh, we just thank you, God. And Lord, we just pray that, that, oh God, you would just enable us, empower us, strengthen us to stand. Oh Lord, help us to endure. Help us to, to do what is necessary, Lord, in the basics Lord, and to go through, be willing to put through the pressure, Lord, and to become a pillar that would stand for a long time. Oh, Lord, that we would be a pillar in the temple of our God, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.